Okay. Happy Sunday. Um, it's been a long, boring week. Um, I've actively been inactive because I guess it just got old for now. Um, or I don't know, there's other factors, but, um, so today was a day of, um, things that I just figured I should probably put out here on this podcast. I'm not just some, you know, bitter 42 year old single, you know, single mom that, uh, can't find anybody because I'm difficult to deal with or, you know, I, I don't want to, um, compromise or, you know, I literally just, um, like being alone and don't, but anyway, so I'm just going to give a little bit of backstory about why I am 42 and single and not hideous. And, you know, I have all my limbs and I, um, have a job, a career, like that whole thing that I've already talked about. So anyway, um, here it goes. Uh, I had four very long-term serious relationships, um, in my life. I grew up, you know, not being into boys. I was more of a tomboy. I liked hanging out with guys, but I wasn't into, you know, the other aspect. So, um, it wasn't until I moved to Salem, Mass and my first high school boyfriend, and he was the first one that broke my heart. So, um, the fourth and final long term relationship that I had was with my daughter's father. The third was the one that broke me really bad, really hard. Um, I spent three years and this is not the first time I spent three years alone, you know, figuring out and letting my heart heal. And so the third one, um, was difficult and I crawled out of that difficult hole after three years and finally got back on the dating scene. And the first thing I did was go on eHarmony. Yep. I paid for it. Uh, I thought that eHarmony would rule or I'm sorry, like, um, weed out the crazies and the cheapos, you know, I figured, you know, you're paying, um, good money and I'm not bashing eHarmony. You know, so many people met, have met and married their forever people unmatched. Like, um, I just, that was the first one I tried. I didn't want to do match. I thought eHarmony was going to be more legit. Uh, I went on three eHarmony dates. Third one was, um, the man that I eventually had a child with and was engaged to, and, um, you know, I waited a long time. I waited until, you know, I was about 36 until I found someone that I, from based on what (laughs) eHarmony matched us as. Um, and so I was 36. 
35, going on 36, and he was 29 going on 30, I think. Yeah, seven years younger. Um, again, when you're an older professional female and hasn't had a child and you've never been married, um, the people that are your age are married with children, um, gay, or um, I don't know, just awful people that, you know, like, I, I don't know. There, there's not much out there for someone who is 35. And, um, so seven years younger was about my usual bracket. I didn't want to go lower than seven years. Um, it always just wound up being somehow that number. Um, and that was my ex. He, um, we matched, we talked a bit, and then our first date, he came to my house where I lived, and I showed him around the town. And um, it was the first day um, that he, so he had just finished building his sister's house. He was a contractor, um, capable contractor, built his sister's house. And our first date was on the day that he told me um, he passed the building inspection for his sister's house on his family's land. And I thought he was really cute. We hit it off. Um, I could tell that we were similar. And I said, well, here we are. You're in my town. And let's party it up. Congratulations on passing your inspection. And we did. And we had a really good time. And although you always say to yourself, like, <clears throat> you know, I'm not going to seal the deal on the first date. Like, don't do that. Like, in real life, in reality, it's like it happens. Um, but I didn't expect or I wasn't sure, you know, that this guy would ever call me back because I did that. Um, and he did and life happened and we had a baby and I moved into his house. Uh, little story about our first date. Um, we were at a bar, my townie bar, my regular, my dive bar, Lucky Dog, um, was the name of the bar. And we were drinking and we were having conversations about, you know, our lives. So our date started at a certain period in the evening, we had dinner at a Mexican place. And then, you know, we went to the bar after and, um, you know, there's all that first date conversation. And one of my biggest, um, like mantras or, or like my biggest thing that I like to do whenever I go on a first date with someone is to just go ahead and, say like, these are my faults. This is, um, this is me. I, I've worked on them for a very long time. I'm aware of them. I'm cognizant of them. I, I understand them. I embrace them. Um, I'm not perfect. No one is perfect. Nobody is perfect. Not anyone. I don't care who you are. And, um, so that being said, I lay that on the table most times. Um, 
mostly with someone that I just like, I think I, I think I'm going to like if, if there's no reason for me to like them, I'm not going to be like, Hey, this is my deal. Like, it'll just be like, well, yeah, I'm probably not for you. But, um, so I laid that out and my biggest number one and number two was I don't like liars and I don't do junkies. And those two come together. This is coming from a nurse, a nurse that worked in an underprivileged hospital in downtown Boston on Methadone Mile. So, um, and I've never been into um, pain pills or any of that. And uh, I, I just don't get it. I, I get it, but I don't. I don't get it because it's not part of my makeup. I, again, like I say, am not perfect and, and do, um, have tried everything in the book. I didn't even think about becoming a nurse until I was 26. I've been on my own since I was 17. So you've got, you know, those years from 17 to 24 ish that, um, I messed up. I messed up big time. I, I, you know, I experimented with pretty much everything and, um, the difference between me and the people that I don't understand are that I never let any of those things destroy me or take over my life or, um, yeah, just take over. Like there was always a period where I would stop and say, enough is enough. Like, this is not me. This is stupid. I don't want to feel like this. I mean, even just smoking cigarettes, you know, um, I started when I was 18 trying to, uh, lose weight, thinking that smoking would curb my appetite before I went to college. And it didn't, it didn't curb my appetite. It just made me a full blown two pack a day, Marlboro red smoker. Um, you know, and I still, yeah, gained all the, all the freshman 20. Um, I know it's freshman 15, but I, I gained the freshman 20 and, uh, yeah. So I am not perfect. I laid that out on the table and asked him what his vices were. And he said, you know, I like pills here and there. And immediately I said, what kind of pills, you know, oh, perks, perk 30s or, you know, the typical classic, um, opiate abuser lingo. And I immediately stopped him and said, Hey, like that is a very slippery road. Junkies and liars go together. I'm not going to tolerate either one of those. Oh, no, no. He says, I, I, no, no, just here and there. Yeah. I don't have a problem. Um, so I believed him. He was handsome. He owned a house. He had a very well-behaved dog. She was amazing. She's the smartest dog I've ever met. Um, he had trucks and trailers and a car and a family that, um, had 
you know, put him through college. He's college educated. He was, um, you know, a really good package on paper. And we started to date seriously. And I really liked him. And we um, rushed into things for sure. And um, he was so gung-ho, gung-ho, like three weeks into the relationship, you know, what's your ideal wedding? Like, I want to have a destination wedding. You know, four weeks into the relationship, I'm like, I get to his house, I'm unloading my six pack into the fridge. And he's like, so do you want to have kids? And I was like, whoa, dude, can I like unpack the car? Um, So he was the initiator of this life that, you know, was going to be this dream world. He had this house. We were going to fix it up. I have a condo that I, you know, own. And, um, when he fixes up the house, we're going to sell the condo and sell the house. And then we're going to build a house on his parents' land. Um, everything was great. I told, he said he wanted to start a family. So I said, Hey, Let's start now because I'm 35 and you're 29, um, going on 30 and I'm going on 36. So like you, you know, I don't know. I probably can't get pregnant. I'm thinking I I was thin. I didn't eat right. I, I took a lot of medications based on my quote unquote depression that I had overcome and got back in the dating world and I felt great about myself. And, um, you know, that's everything. Like we just went gung ho into it and I didn't think I was going to get pregnant and I was quickly pregnant. So now it was the question of, do you move in? He says, when are you going to move into my, my place? When are you going to leave your place and and move into my place. Now, this is something I had never done. I've always had my own life. Uh, Any long-term relationship, two, three long-term relationships that I had had before that were um, I had a place and men became part of my space and my place. And so... This was the first time I was going to take my life and all of my belongings and leave my condo that I owned um, to move to a house um, an hour away from my house, my family, my friends, um, my job, which I was leaving and um, looking for a new one, found a new one. But so that's what I did. And by the time I moved in, I was five months pregnant. There was a time when I knew him for three months that I had driven to his house from my house after working a 12-hour day and got there. He was not receptive. He was mean. He was kind of, not mean, but just kind of like, you know, like just really bleh. And so I had one, you know, I asked him, what's your deal? Like, you're not even, I just drove here an hour. And uh, he said, I just have to get changed. 
<clears throat> and when I went upstairs, I found him on his knees, throwing up in a trash can, um, you know, half undressed, sweating profusely, just the classic symptoms of withdrawal, which is what I asked him. Are you going through withdrawal? Yes. From what? Heroin. At three months, I had fallen in love with this person um, because he had all these idealistic things and he planted them in my head. And as a knowledgeable, you know, independent nurse, um, he swore up and down. It was just a couple of weeks. I didn't realize it was going to um, affect me this way. And I'll never do it again. And begging, begging, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. Um, and so I didn't. And the only good part about not leaving him was that I have now the most beautiful, um, kind, uh, smart, funny, loving um, little human being who is my best friend and my one true love. And so I don't regret that day that I decided I would give him another chance. And another chance. And another chance. And many other chances after that. So um, I moved my world into his life when I was about five months pregnant. Four and a half. Four and a half, five months and, um, he came, his friend came and with his trailer and his truck, we loaded my entire, you know, life, which existed in a, in a 292 square foot condo, studio condo, um, onto his trailer. And we drove it up to where we live now and we unloaded it. But of course I didn't unpack, you know, it was like, and it was overwhelming and, um, anxiety causing for me to put myself in someone else's life. It was always the other way around. I let other people into my life. This was me getting into someone else's life, their house, their home. Um, you know, and uh, I did it, and it was three days after the move, or maybe two, I don't know, I, I hadn't even unpacked many things, um, that we were sitting at the, you know, kitchen island with the stools, and, and he was falling asleep, falling asleep standing up, and I was devastated devastated that I had just moved my stuff to a person's house who was now nodding out in front of me. Um, <clears throat> I yelled at him. I screamed at him. I, I said, you know, I want to drug test you. Um, at first he knew that I knew and he said, 
no, uh, yes, I did. I'm sorry. And then it was like, no, I didn't. And I immediately just went into, I'm four and a half months pregnant and I just moved my whole world here and I am going to just be in denial and, um, continue to stay here. And I did, and I had a new job and I was working, um, you know, and, and life was better, better than it was being in Massachusetts. That's for sure. Um, but it quickly turned awful. I mean, I, I, I guess I shouldn't say quickly. It steadily, steadily declined. Um, and I, you know, often expressed my concern. There was clear drug use by him right in front of me while I was pregnant with his friends. Um, you know, there was clear discrepancies. He would say, I'm going to go get us some McDonald's, you know, which is a 10 minute ride down the road into the bordering town. And, um, he would be gone for four hours, five hours all night sometimes. Um, I had no idea what was actually happening. I just knew that I was pregnant. I was alone. And what am I going to do? You know? So we get to the day I go into labor and, um, he is messed up beyond all belief and I need him to drive me an hour home, which is where I started my prenatal care and where I chose to finish it. So, um, that was the scariest ride I think of my life because I was in labor. I was in the back seat. I did not have a seatbelt on and, um, I could see his eyes closing in the rear view mirror as we drove, uh, over and over again. And we finally made it to the hospital alive. And, um, when he dropped me off, we got there. He said they came with a wheelchair to bring me upstairs. And he said, I'm going to go park the car right back. Totally disappeared. Never came back. I mean, he came back like three and a half hours later, but, um, you know, I knew then that my life doesn't depend on his, um, he is going to mess up and all I have to do is keep my baby alive and safe. And that's what I've been doing for the last three years, um, which included not going on dates, not having any alone time. Um, you know, just, just me. It was just me and her in the beginning. It was his parents were playing the role of him. Um, and he, but at the same time telling me that he was this great dad, he wasn't there. He was, doing drugs. Things were going down and down and down and down. Um, he had been arrested several times that I was not aware of until the final arrest that I was aware of. Thanks to my friend. Um, 
my amazing friend whom I love dearly sent me a text of the link, um, of him and the granite state, uh, shield operation where there was a picture of a man and that was the man that I didn't know. That was not my daughter's father. That was not anybody's son or brother or, you know, he was just a shell of a human, um, who was overtaken by opioid addiction. I have given him many chances. Um, the day we brought Georgia home, I required a drug test and he didn't need to take it because he confessed to being addicted to heroin. Um, he went to detox immediately and I spent the first three months alone. Now this podcast, this story is not like a woe is me thing. Um, it's a attempt to just let people know that, you know, not all women my age who are single with a child are crazy or difficult or, um, I, I don't know, just although he has tried to make me feel like that is why he used and I made him relapse and blah, blah, blah. I know that's not the truth. And the courts know that's not the truth. The good part of the story is, um, he has been sober for almost a year. Um, I don't think he's happy being sober. I, he still looks miserable and, and he's still really just a narcissistic, self-righteous, um, person who, who doesn't take into account George's mother's feelings. That's me. Um, he does only care about himself and all the while you think he's going to get sober and we're going to get back together and everything's going to be great and he's going to be a new man. No, he's just a sober, mean person. I don't like bashing people, but that is the truth. That's just the truth. Um, and he has a 23 year old girlfriend and you know what? I feel bad for her and her child and I feel bad for my daughter. Um, but as long as he passes his tests, um, which have been court ordered, then I don't have a say in it. It's another thing about dating in Maine or being single in Maine. Um, it's a 50, 50 state, and, um, kind of sucks, but so that's it. That's why I'm single. That is why I am just back out there now. And that is why I am like tired of power dating <laughs> on Sundays. And, um, I was forced to attend a, birthday party of my daughter's classmate and it was his day. So I was forced to be in the same room with him for two hours, which was doable because I, you know, 
try to be civil, especially in front of my daughter, because that's all that matters to her. She loves her father. And as long as he is sober, he can be in her life. Um, but so that's me. That's why I'm single. And I will say the funniest thing, um, about this whole sob story is eHarmony matched us. He was younger than me. Um, we did have similar interests. His thing that he liked to do was drink beer and chop wood. And I thought, well, that just sounds perfect. And the other thing that felt like a, uh, <laughs> this sounds so stupid when I say it now, but it was like a, a sign or fate was that we both lived at 81 something. I lived on 81 blah, blah road and he lived on 81 blah, blah road. Um, that's not a lie. That is for real. We both had the same house number and it's funny because I look back now and I'm like, did eHarmony just match us like on our house number and, and, and expect us to just, I don't know. It was funny. Somebody else said it and I was like, that's an interesting theory. It could have been that they literally have no idea what they're doing. They don't know how to match people. It's all a bunch of bullshit and they just take random facts like we both live at 81 so-and-so and voila. And so um, here I am now on Tinder and Bumble and it's just as awful. And I do not plan on um, having a baby or getting engaged <laughs> to anybody else. But so that's my story. That's why I'm single in Maine uh, and dating in a life. And so again, uh, no matter what you step in, just keep on walking and singing your song and, um, keep on keeping on and maybe, you know, next time will be better. So this week was very boring and I'm sorry for the, uh, Debbie Downer post or podcast. Um, but I just thought you all needed to know, you know, I'm not just some crazy person. Um, and that's it. So happy Sunday. Have a good week. Hopefully my week will lead to a better podcast story for Sunday. Good night.